eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, it's always game day in Buffalo, and it is game week in Buffalo here in Orchard Park. Sal Capaccio with you on another podcast here on the Odyssey Network, wherever you get it. We appreciate you listening with my buddy Matt Bovey, as usual, Channel 7 Sports Director here, WKBW-TV. We are in Orchard Park, and Matt and I are... Actually, in the hallway of the media room. We're trying to be quiet because there's a bunch of people working. It's game week. Everybody's got a lot of stuff to do. So we are doing this in the hallway. So if you hear any loud clanks, it will be the door from the media room opening and closing. And we'll probably get some people who chirp us as they walk by. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Who's the most likely media person to walk by and chirp us if they see us doing this? Uh, chirp us. Ooh, that's a good question. I would say probably like Swenson, maybe Josh Reed. They would probably say something. I think John Scott, John Scott, especially because he's feeling real big because his Ohio state team beat Notre Dame last night. John Scott, the most likely to yell at us is Waro. And, Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of why we're out here, though. So Waro doesn't yell at us who's in the other room. We want to be respectful of them. Um, it is Labor Day weekend, college football over the weekend. Hope you had a chance to enjoy that. But now it's really quickly turning the page, Matt, to a game on Thursday in L.A. And so the way it works is because the team plays on Thursday, you have to kind of treat that like a Sunday. That's what football coaches do. Thursday becomes Sunday. 
Wednesday becomes Saturday, Tuesday becomes Friday, and so on. So here we are on a Sunday, which is normally like a Wednesday media day in practice. Yeah, and I was actually talking to somebody over the weekend about this. I was on the golf course, and they were asking, when does the team head out to Los Angeles? And I was like, they're going to leave on Wednesday as if they were normally leaving on a Saturday. And they asked, why wouldn't they go out early? Why wouldn't they want to like try and like kind of get acclimated, get their feet wet a little bit? And I was like, no, they want to treat it just like it's a Sunday game in the Meadowlands at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Like This is going to be as normal of a week as possible, at least inside this building. Of course, on the outside, there's all the extra noise. There's all the extra hype. But today is Wednesday. All things considered, they'll practice again on Monday, which would be like a Thursday. And then on Tuesday, it's usually pretty light, kind of a walkthrough day. They just try and make sure that everybody's healthy. And then they fly out to LA on Wednesday. I think we're going to get our first injury report on Monday. So whenever you're listening to this, it's Labor Day. I know that maybe you can't get it to it right away. And, you know, hopefully you get it uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and you get situated on this. We're recording this on Sunday, like we said. So if anything happens after this, as far as the injury report, you know, we won't know anything about it. I will answer a little bit about that, why they don't go out. It's a good question because a few years ago, the same thing popped up. And under, um, under Doug Marone, when he was here, I remember we did go out really early, like a day early. And a lot of teams do that. Sports science is big with this organization, as you know. And, and Matt, what I've learned is they've basically arrived at the conclusion of whether it's going the other way to Europe (laughs) or that way to the West coast, you either, if you're going to do that, you either do it, you got to do it like a whole week ahead of time or you don't do it at all. Like if you do it just a day or two ahead of time, you're kind of, not adjusting your body the correct way, and and that's what this organization adheres to. Yeah, it's going to be weird because the game is a 5 o'clock local time game. So I think these guys, not a lot of them, at least if they've played for the Bills, are probably used to that timing of the day. Obviously, it'll be 8.20 back here, but it's even weird for us, and it's definitely weird for fans who are going to the game or just people who are on the West Coast. Maybe they're more used to it, but this game's going to start at 520. It's going to be done by 830. So if you're on the West Coast, normally people watch the game and then they go to bed. But on the West Coast and for this team, like they're going to finish the game 830. Then these guys are going to be back on a plane, including you, at like 10 o'clock. I'm actually staying. We're staying. My family's in town. I'm staying until Saturday. That's good because we can podcast that night then so it's ready to go Friday morning. That's exciting. I love that. And by the way, if you're heading out to LA, there's a bunch of parties going on. Uh, I'm going to be at the uh, Hermosa Beach Party. Matt's going to be there as well, stopping by. A lot of the media people, come on by. We're raising some money for the Boys and Girls Club of Buffalo. I know they're doing some things for the 514 Survivor Fund as well here in Buffalo. So it's going to be a really good party out there. Um, And you know what I was thinking of? You just said it. If the Bills do win, all the people out there who are Buffalo fans... 8.30 8.30 in L.A. on a Thursday night after a big win, the party will be on. Well, this is almost like the appetizer to the evening. Like, you'll go to the game. Well, I think people are going to have a really good time because they're going to get to the Bills tailgates in the afternoon. They're going to have a really good time, and then they're going to go to the game, and then if they have any juice left, then they're going to keep it going. And I think if they win, they'll have a little a second bolt, like a little bit of some regained energy. If they lose, most people will probably just go back to the hotel and commiserate for a little while because that's what Bills fans do. No doubt about it. We want to get to the depth chart in just a little while, but you know, it has been kind of a, a, a really interesting offseason looking forward to this game, and we're here. And you kind of think about it, and you put it all into perspective to get to this point. You know, Matt, I think the biggest thing to look back in the preseason, if I can, before we get to the this week one, no injuries. That was the big thing. The only question we have is Isaiah McKenzie. As we sit here today, we do not know if he's going to be available to play, but otherwise, no major injuries, and that's what every team wants to avoid in preseason. And when we talk to Bean last week, he said that it would be really tough to keep McKenzie off of the field, and I don't think the general manager says that if they're not thinking that he is going to play. So, 
besides Isaiah McKenzie and Quentin Morris is a little banged up. This team is very healthy as they're getting ready to go into this game. And that's the biggest scare of the preseason. You're like, starters can't get hurt. We can't have these depth guys get hurt around the league. There's a lot of teams that have not been as fortunate at the bill as the bills have been. So all things considered, really, really worked out, especially because they played a lot of their starters. Like Josh played for a little bit. Diggs played for a little bit. Those are the people you really are uneasy about. And then the injuries that happened earlier in camp, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, it looks like those guys will be good to go as well. Were you surprised if anybody on or off the 53-man roster? I think that O.J. Howard was the big one that people we discussed. We didn't know what they would do. It winds up Sweeney and Morris are the two tight ends behind Dawson Knox. And I also want to add this in. Tavon Austin signed to the practice squad. That could really be a nod to, hey, what if McKenzie can't go? We get him back. We can elevate him because you do get those elevations every week. I think my biggest surprises were, and it's more of like a big picture surprise than a short-term surprise. I'm surprised Trey is going to be on the shelf for four weeks. Not because of any setbacks or anything like that. I just went into this offseason kind of thinking like, I bet he starts to practice at the end of training camp and then he's ready to go. So understanding the timeline now, it makes sense. But if you would have told me that in April or May that he wouldn't be ready, that would have been a little surprising to me. And then specifically with the player, I thought Isaiah Hodgins did enough to make the team. So I know they got him on the practice squad. I know they're really happy about that. That was the biggest surprise to me, at least roster wise, but all things considered, it kind of looks like we thought it would look like. No undrafted free agents from this year's UDFA class made the team. I think that speaks to how good of a roster the team already had. It's very tough to crack this. The only one that I think people may have had a case for was Raheem Blackshear. He had a really nice preseason, but Matt, I mean, look, I make this point all the time and it, and it bore out, which is there was not even, there was one running back, one who was even claimed off waivers. Like running backs are, I don't want to diminish them and disrespect them. They're almost like a dime a dozen when it comes to teams can find them. You don't have to have one. So it never was a big surprise to me that he didn't make the team because they were just going to get him on the practice squad. It was not a thought and a fear of, oh my God, they're going to lose this guy. One running back around the entire league was actually claimed after waivers. Blackshear's path to the team is next year. If he stays on the practice squad for this full season, Devin Singletary's contract is up. You have one more year of Zach Moss. Who knows what he does this year? James Cook will be the guy. They spent a second round pick on him. James Cook will be their feature running back next season, assuming they don't re-sign Singletary or go out and sign somebody else. So Blackshear's path to the team is staying here, working with the offense, getting the reps in on the practice squad. And then when it's all said and done next year, he's likely, at least right now, probably one of the front runners to be one of the top three guys and then maybe they keep Taiwan or they have some other, you know, specialist running back players. And, and, and one point on the roster before we get to the depth chart here, I think the biggest decision for the team, it looks like came down to Cam Lewis against Nick McLeod. They both practiced on the day that really, either, I mean, literally like everybody who wasn't on the actual 53 was not at practice except Barkley. They wanted him because he's a quarterback. They were getting him back. Nick McLeod and Cam Lewis both practiced. Nick McLeod gets waived. He gets picked up by the Giants. It literally might have been Brandon Bean saying, which of these guys can we live with Joe Shane picking up? Because we knew that was going to happen. And I'll also just throw throw this out there. Cam Lewis is going to be a restricted free agent next year. You still have team control for another year by keeping him on the roster. And I, I think Brandon Bean wants his flexibility as a nickel corner as well. And they also want their flexibility with, you know, 
their options in the future. So that's why I think the restricted free agent point is a really good point because as the secondary continues to get older and you have questions with the safeties moving forward, you have, you know, there's a lot of things they got to figure out. Cam Lewis is still a young player. He's a homegrown player. He's been with the organization for a while. They trust him. He's got the versatility and they control his rights next year. So I think he kind of checks all of the boxes and that's why it made sense that he was the one who edged McLeod out. The Bills did lose four players on the waiver wire. We have all all of that. You can check it out, Matt and Sal, both of us on Twitter, wherever you want to get all of your information from. We have all of those players, including Nick McLeod, who is now a New York Giant. All right, Matt, let's get into the depth chart for this team that was released over the weekend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. The depth chart is out. Now, do I have to say this? Because it feels like I do after I tweeted it. The depth chart can, is fluid, and it, you do not have to adhere to it. It's not like there's a rule that says whoever you have as the starting right tackle or tight end has to be the first person on the field. The team can actually put whoever they want out there. In fact, I went back and looked last week, last year, Matt, um, Vernon Butler was actually listed as, I'm sorry, Mario Addison was it was listed as the, um, as, as a starter, but Vernon Butler started the, started the game against the Steelers. My point is they can actually roll anybody they want out there. No matter what the depth chart says, it's really more of a guide. I think the two first things that I noticed with the depth chart, understanding that it is just a guide, were that Spencer Brown was listed as the starting right tackle ahead of Questenberry. And I think I always assumed that Spencer Brown would get the starting job, but it was a little bit of a slow summer for him. He had to ease his way back into it. And Questenberry, when he played, looked good. I think Spencer Brown deserves to be the starting right tackle of this team, but I don't know if his leash is as long as maybe we thought it was going into the summer. And then the second one was Kyrie Elam being the second cornerback, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam. I think those are going to be the guys that are on the field Thursday night when they kick things off. I think Christian Benford will probably get some run. I think he's going to get some snacks, snaps and he'll be active. Do you think they'll rotate? Like this team has done this before. They've rotated Levi Wallace with um uh, uh Josh Norman. You know, they they did that before. Um, Kevin Johnson was he were here. He was here. It was every series, every two series. You think that'll be the case? I think it depends how the game goes. I think if Elam gets off to a good start, or if Dane Jackson gets off to a good start and kind of tear in his control. It's one of those things like you're going to get beat at times against the Rams. Like they have way too many weapons that you're not going to shut them down. But if you can limit the explosive plays, then I think they'll probably stick with their group that they start with for at least a nice chunk of the first half. Maybe 
if they want to completely give them a different look, then they'll roll out Benford. But I think it would be hard to take a rookie first round pick off of the field if he wasn't struggling or if he wasn't making mistakes. Because in a perfect world, you want this guy getting these reps. You want this guy to be your cornerback too across from Tredavious White when he's ready to go. So I think there will be a rotation, but I also think they're really going to value Elam getting those reps because there's only so much you can like imitate in a preseason game or in a practice. Do you read anything into Zach Moss being the number two listed running back over James Cook? I'll give you my thought on this one first, and then you tell me what you think. I think it's a nod to Zach and the, just the being the three-year veteran, the work he's put in. And honestly, Matt, I think he is actually the primary backup to Devin Singletary, whereas... James Cook right now is more of a pass-catching back and a specialty situation back, but he's going to play. Somebody asked us, and we'll answer some more questions later, what running backs do we think are active on game day? And I know last year, a lot of the time, it was three, being two running backs who were primarily used on offense, and then Taiwan Jones. I don't think it's out of the question for four running backs to be active in this game. I think Singletary, Cook, and Taiwan Jones are a lock. But like you said, I do think Moss is like the air quote backup running back he's the goal line back he's the pass pro back in a lot of ways so i think he's i think there's a chance that all four of them are active it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out the other one we kept getting questions on so i want to clarify something terrell bernard is listed as a starter he is listed as the strong side linebacker starter but i want everybody to when you look at the depth chart count how many starters there are there's 12 they don't normally use a strong side linebacker what this is saying is if we go to that package he will be the guy in that spot A.J. Klein was that guy last year. Yeah, the Bills' base defense has, instead of a linebacker, has Taron Johnson because he's basically a hybrid of a safety and a linebacker and a corner. He does a little bit of everything, so that's why he's so valuable. So I think that that's not necessarily a surprise, but I think it does basically show how much they value Terrell Bernard in that I think he's going to see the field. I don't know how often he's going to see the field because they're in that base defense kind of a lot but i think if they want to get heavy maybe they throw him out there we've talked about this in the past maybe you use saran neal for that but i think they like what bernard did in the offseason and they uh, they trust him in that role all right the other one is khalil shakir is going to be the number one punt returner i think I, I think we've seen this coming for a few weeks concern there bright lights first game thursday night national tv super bowl champs rookie from a small school uh, can smaller school no disrespect to boise state not concerned. I have never felt like something bad was going to happen watching him catch a punt. He, it's almost like Micah Hyde a little bit. Like I've never been like, uh oh, that one looks like it could cause a problem or anything. I think he's pretty sure-handed. I think they trust him, and I think honestly, this is their way of trying to get him on the field because they know he's a playmaker. They know he can be a difference maker, knowing that he probably won't get as many offensive snaps as he will down the road because they've got some veterans in front of him right now. So, not a surprise. I like how they have the separation of McKenzie being the kick returner and Shakir being the punt returner because I think McKenzie is still exploding. At times, his issues last year were on punts, not on kick returns. And I know everybody's like knocking on wood right now, like don't jinx it, don't jinx it. I think with a kick return, you probably want a little bit more chance of the explosive big return, and maybe there isn't as much risk involved. You've got a little bit more time to catch it, make sure that you're looking in front of you, seeing what's happening. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. I think that's probably what they should do. Just notable, the other punt returner behind Shakir is actually listed as Jamison Crowder. But again, I'll go back to, if McKenzie can't go, maybe you elevate Tavon Austin. He becomes an option, at least, at that spot. James Cook is the listed kick returner behind Isaiah McKenzie. And one other notable note, obviously, 
the punter because the Bills did move on from Matt Ariza. They did sign Sam Martin. There's going to be a quick onboarding process here. I talked with Reed Ferguson, and Reed said, and not surprising, it's not the punting, it's the holding operation. We talk so much about holding, Matt, that he said, where Tyler likes it, or he would say T-Bass, where T-Bass likes it, how quick he likes it, all the, the timing of all that that goes in. So, But I would say you could do a lot worse than Sam Martin when it comes to getting a punter in here on short notice. Well, that's the thing. It's not, they. Brandon Bean made it very clear, like, this isn't the 2018 Bills anymore. Like, we needed to go out and get somebody that we know we can throw into the mix right away, and there's not going to be a major step back. We, he said it without saying it. They don't have time to let somebody try and figure it out. Like, this is a team that's built to try and contend for a Super Bowl, and the least, the last thing you can do is be worried about your punter in those situations. So, it it makes sense. I thought it was probably going into this between Kern and Martin, and they went with Martin. Whatever. So... Let's take a look at, um, well, we already take a look at the depth chart. Let's take a look at some questions. We had some questions that came in. Matt tweeted it out. And by the way, if you're not following us on Twitter, Matt, make sure you do that. It's at Matt underscore Bove. It's at Sal Sports. You can always tweet us some questions when we get to our question segment of the pod, which is right now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's start off with some questions and then we're going to dig into the Rams just a little bit before we get on out of here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Uh, Matt. Some people ask some questions to you, so what do you got for us? All right, let's start with D-Rob. The question is, who will be inactive on Thursday? And I think we need to go with specifically like guys who might surprise people because there's probably a couple people on the list who are relatively obvious who will be inactive, but in your mind, I'll let you go first. Who do you think will be somebody that's inactive that might throw people off a little bit? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, one of the tight ends is going to be inactive, I think, whether that's Sweeney or Morris. I don't know. I may, that might come down. It might be Morris because he's been he dealt with a little injury as of the last week or so. Could be McKenzie could be inactive. I think Balen Spector's probably inactive. I mean, he made the team, but you know, you already have Tyler Medikevich in that role. I was actually trying to come up with the 48-man active roster. Another rules note for everybody. There's 53 on the team. You can elevate two to give you 55. If you dress eight linemen, you get 48 active, giving you seven inactive out of the 55. So it's a it's a crazy kind of math, the way to do it. Um, I don't know. Could you see a Shaq Lawson maybe inactive, or do they roll with nine? I think that... I think they want his juice in this game. I think that he plays... I think... The running back is an interesting conversation, and do they actually have four running backs active? I think the wide receiver is a bit interesting. Do they have Jake Kumaro active? I know he made this team because of what he can contribute on special teams, but I don't think he's going to see the field a lot on offense, so that wouldn't be a massive surprise. And I think the one you said, Balen Specter, is kind of where I got to. I don't see them dressing that many linebackers for this game. I think that it's like, hey, we want you on the team, but we're going to kind of ease your way into things just because we, we don't need you right away. 
All right, I got one from Nate here. Guys, if you had to choose one surprise player that could be the difference maker in week one, who is your pick? And this one jumped at me because I do have one. Oh, I hope it's not the same. Oh, you go ahead then first. Who, uh, uh, is yours offense or defense? Mine's offense. Mine's defense. So go ahead. I'm going to say James Cook. I Look, we were at an event. I was at an event at um, at Riverworks recently with uh, Steve Tasker, and there was some, you know, Bill's sponsors from the radio network and things like that, and they were doing a Q&A, and I was up there, and Steve was up there. And Steve kept saying he thinks they've been kind of hiding James Cook in the preseason to unleash him, so to speak, in week one. And I'm not, I'm not going to go that far necessarily. I do think, however, they did not want to show him a lot because they do have some plans for him. And this kid needs one play to make a big play, and I think it could happen. I will not say who it was, but I was sitting there when we were doing our media draft, and I was also in another draft at the same time for fantasy football. And I asked the person next to me, which running back out of the Bills like room would you want long term? And they were like, and it's kind of an obvious, but they were like, James Cook, no question, especially late in drafts. Because if you're in a keeper league, if you're in a dynasty league, whatever it is, like there's some really strong value there. And I think we see that kind of right away. Like I think James Cook, same thing. It's going to kind of like unleash him a little bit. And everybody will be like, wow, I forgot about James Cook. So I could see him getting, I know we were just talking about a little bit ago, Moss, Singletary. I still think Cook gets more touches than Moss for sure. And he probably gets close to Singletary in this game. I don't think that's going to be a total touches. That's not carries necessarily. That's touches. That's touches. I don't think he's going to probably get a ton of work out of the backfield. He'll get some just to keep the defense honest. This is also a really efficient, effective offense. So there's going to be more touches that go around. I think James Cook is your player who could... I don't want to say breakout because I don't think he's ever going to this year be like one of the top running backs in the NFL or like a top fantasy option or anything like that. But I think he's going to be very effective when needed. So I like that call for you. Mine's on defense and it's Tim Settle. Love it. I think Tim Settle all summer when healthy has flashed. And I think we have not seen him standing next to Von Miller and Ed Oliver. So in a real game, assuming he's healthy, ready to go, I think Tim Settle is going to be quite a disruptive force. And he's going to be rotating in with Taquan. And I understand that that's very important to them. He's not going to get a ton of snaps. He probably gets like 40% or 50%. But I think when he's on the field, he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to help the run game. The Rams, Cam Akers, like they use him a lot. They use him more than they should. They should lean on their passing game more than they do. They're going to run the ball a lot. That was an issue for the Bills at times last year was stopping the run. I think the middle of the line is going to be more solid this year. I think they're going to do a better job getting after the quarterback as well. But I think that's a sneaky addition for the Bills as Tim Settle to try and kind of lock down the middle and make sure that they're not consistently getting beat with runs up the middle. I love it. I'm a big Tim Settle guy as well. I think he brings us so much juice and he's fantastic. His numbers, like his you know, effectiveness type numbers, whatever the deeper analytics were off the charts when he got a chance to play in Washington, he just was behind other really, really good linemen. The only issue is he has been dealing with a calf injury and we don't know his status as we sit here today on a Sunday. All right. You got any other uh, questions that came your way? Yeah, this is just from David and he says, I believe Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis will have a breakout year. Do you guys also believe that he'll have a breakout year? And I know I've been talking about it a lot on the podcast, but I couldn't buy the hype anymore. Like, I think that he is just going to be a dominant force this year. I think if you're somebody who's like a betting person, 
I love basically every Gabe Davis prop going into this year. If you're somebody who's a fantasy football player, your drafts are probably done if you're listening to this. But I don't think he's going to be like a target monster. But I think he's just so efficient and he catches so many touchdowns that you'll want him on your team. And I think he's going to continue to grow with the offense in all summer. Stefan Diggs is Stefan Diggs, but Davis is the one that I feel like I notice every single day at practice. So yes, I'm in on the hype. I believe that. I couldn't say any better. I think Gabe Davis is in line for a big year. I think what I've seen from him at practice, he is so much more physically imposing than a lot of the DBs he goes against. And he still has, he, he still has the ability to separate, even though he's not like this super speed guy, right? And he's, he's big. He's 227 pounds. It's just a mismatch against a lot of those guys. I think he's in for a big year. I have one more and then I have a personal one for you. Uh, this is Dave who says, do you think the Bills are waiting until after week one to sign a vet like Hayden or OBJ so that 25% of the contract will be guaranteed rather than the full thing? And that's a point I've been making for a while, Matt, that let's remember veterans who are on the week one roster have their salaries base salaries fully guaranteed. After that, they are not. They're 25%. I I listened to Brandon Bean last week. He did not shut the door on OBJ. I think it's possible. I'm not in on Joe Hayden. I was agreed. I was before and I think that if your young corners are really struggling, then you maybe make that call. I still think that they are going to kick the can on Odell Beckham. I think that I know they've only got between 2.4 and 2.8 million dollars in cap space. They can always figure something out. I think that if he's available and they feel like they're close, but they need one extra piece, then they could go do it. And that's not to knock Diggs or not to knock Gabe Davis. I was just talking about how much I like him, but how do you stop those three? How do you stop Beckham, Diggs, and Davis, even if it is just for the last month of the season and then a run in the playoffs? So I think that the options are open. I don't think they're specifically waiting for that reason. I think they really like the team they've got now. And then maybe they wait and see how it plays out in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. All right. My question for you. You ready? Yeah. How excited are you for the return of the Goathead Sabres jersey? You are a Sabres guy. By the way, the two guys that we bet it might chirp us while we're on the podcast just walked in. We didn't know. Oh, per- I was going to say. Sh- <laughs> Perino and John Scott. We, they're, they're walking by us right now. We, we were putting odds on who would chirp us while we're doing our podcast. And I said, John Scott's feeling good from his Ohio State team last night. He'd probably give us some chirping. Uh, there's nothing to feel good about. I'm not a big college football guy, so I don't know anything that happened yesterday. I will say I'm very hyped about the Goathead return. Yes. When I caught wind of it last week and I heard it was probably going to happen, I got real nostalgic. I went on a YouTube deep dive and just watched every playoff goal from the 05-06 Sabre season. I still remember every single one of them. And then after that, I watched all of the playoff goals. You know what? It's actually a really good transition. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, Luke, who was in town this past week this bill season feels a little bit like the sabers season in 0607 the year after they went to the conference finals and they lost for a lot of people that 0607 season wasn't enjoyable because the expectations were so high they won the president's trophy the team was great but people are not nearly fondly looking back on that season as they were 0506 so i understand how hyped bills fans are for this season and rightfully so but because the expectations are so high a lot of people are really nervous going into this one it's not like you're playing with house money. This isn't 2020 where you're like, oh, the Bills might be good. Every win is just kind of like a bonus at this point. They're expected to win the Super Bowl, and that makes the games that much more stressful. Did you own a Goathead jersey? And, and like, what, what, who was the name on it? I, I think I had all of them. I ha- what? Come on. I think I have... Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm trying to think back. I know I had a black Hashik. I know I had a white Stu Barnes. 
and I had a red Vanek. So yes, I had all three of those when I was a kid. That's amazing. I had one. Do you want to guess who I had? A little bit earlier on, or it was a, I'm sorry, a little bit, uh, yeah, earlier on, I should say. It was an earlier on kind of player, not the, not the mid-2000s type of players. It was more of the late 90s, early 2000s player. And it wasn't Hashik? It was not Hashik. Pekka. I was a big Curtis Brown guy. Ooh. I had Curtis Brown. Loved Curtis Brown. Curtis Brown makes a mad dash down the ice. I still, yeah, number 37, loved Curtis Brown. Yeah, so that was my guy. All right, so let's just dig in on the Rams quickly before uh, we get on out of here. Um, this is a team that is obviously the defending Super Bowl champs. So my wife and son are going to the game, and my wife got an email because she has a ticket. And the email said, if you're going to the game, it's from the Rams, if you're going to the game, we recommend you get to the stadium at least an hour early and in your seats by 4.50 p.m. for the banner-raising ceremony for the Super Bowl champion Rams. So they're going to be hyped. They're going to be ready. They also are dealing with a little bit of an issue with Matthew Stafford and his elbow and no Van Jefferson in this game. That's pretty much, he's not officially ruled out, but he's not going to play. I have a take about the Super Bowl banner raising and how they're going to be hyped. I think the Bills are going to be way more hyped for this game. I don't know if that's like a hot take or if that's like obvious, but I think that happening with the Bills in the building is going to make them more pissed off that they didn't win like they think they were supposed to. Like they think they're the best team in the NFL. And for that to happen, I think they're going to use that as juice. And I've actually talked to a couple people, a couple players and coaches about it as well. Like they're going to do everything they can to be very composed and, you know, go into this game without too much energy because that can be a bad thing at times. But I think watching like a banner raising or knowing that it's happening because I don't think the Bills are going to be out there for that. But knowing that it's happening is going to fire up the Bills more than it's going to fire up the Rams. Does Josh Allen target Jalen Ramsey at all? Going back to what he said about Josh coming in the league. Now I know they played a couple a couple times. Remember when Jalen called him trash? And I think I don't I don't think Jalen feels that anymore necessarily. He's kind of avoided that kind of talk. But remember against the Jags, Josh ran in the end zone on him. There was a picture, yep. and then he actually threw the ball for a touchdown to Diggs yep. the last time they played, and that was a big deal. But Again, you got to, if you're Josh Allen, you're th- always thinking about that because that's something that I'm sure stuck with him. I think that old Josh Allen, less mature Josh Allen, is targeting Jalen Ramsey. I think Josh Allen 2022 is taking what the defense is giving him because he thinks that a win will hurt Jalen Ramsey way more than, you know, him giving up four catches and the Bills still losing the game. So I think Josh Allen is going to take what the defense gives him. And if at times that means going after Jalen Ramsey, then sure. I think he's not going to be scared away. I I think he's too dynamic and too good of a quarterback to ever be scared away by a player. But I also think it's foolish to try and target somebody because they called you trash once. You've also beat them twice already. So like, I I think both the times they've played, the only time... No, yeah. I think both times that the Bills have played, the because Jalen, Jalen Ramsey's best game against the Bills was the playoff game, and that was in 2017. That was Tyrod. He had the interception at the end. But yeah, so no, Josh Allen has already had, you know, the ability to kind of like shrug that off and be like, no, I'm not worried about that. So no, I, I don't think he's going to be targeting him extra. I think that would be foolish, but I, I don't think he's going to be scared off either. Anything else on the Rams that you're thinking before you head into this game that you want to kind of say before because this is the last time we're going to talk before that game okay so cooper cup is a problem like cooper cup is really good and i'm not necessarily concerned about matthew stafford in the short term like i think maybe that's going to be a lingering issue that happens and uh, impacts kind of their season outlook but for one game like especially the first game of the year i'm not in concerned with his injury at all 
I am concerned about how they stop Cooper Cup, and I think they're going to have some defenses kind of like schemed up to make sure that they're not putting too much pressure on any one particular person, whether that be Taron Johnson or that be one of the outside corners. I think they're going to get a lot of safety help. I think they're going to try and trick the Rams at times, and it's not going to be 100% effective. It's just not. So I think if you can eliminate the explosive plays, then you have a chance of, I don't think the Bills want to win track meets. Like, I just don't. I know they're built for it because the offense is so good. Not necessarily McDermott's philosophy. No, and like, quite frankly, over the years, like, when they get in track meets, they've lost games. Like, the games that we look back to last year that they lost that were track meets were the Chiefs game in the playoffs, the Titans game. Like, they lost both of those games. So... I think that for the Bills, they need to, and it sounds so cliche and obvious, but they really need to contain the big plays. They're going to need one of their boundary corners to step up because one of them is going to have to deal with Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson is a really effective player. I think for the Bills, the key to the game offensively is going to be long drives where they can take time off of the clock, where they can go down the field, put up points. They can play the possession game, keeping the Rams off the field as well. And obviously, they need their interior line to hold down Aaron Donald. Hey, I like would you sign up for one sack right now? You probably would, right? Like is he's going to get his. But don't let him take over the game because that's what he did at the end of the Super Bowl. He took over the game. He also did that in the second half in Buffalo two years ago when that huge comeback. The Bills blew a 25-point lead. Aaron Donald was unbelievable in that half. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a very similar team. Obviously, now they've got Stafford and they've not got Jared Goff. And Matthew Stafford's a much more, you know, dangerous opponent. So, I think that I'm, I'm interested, though, because the line keeps moving. And Vegas always knows something. And I know this means the Bills are getting bet. Do you think that the line is fair? Two and a half? I do. I'm kind of surprised the Bills are favorite uh, in this game um, because it is so tough to go on the road in that opening week against the Super Bowl champions in any situation. You look back, that the, the, the champs win. They always win this game, right? So I am kind of. But he, the reason why the Bills are favorite, they're just getting so much love. Uh, we had somebody on from the BetQL network on Show Up in the Bulldog, uh, Joe Ostrowski, who said it doesn't matter how how low they make the number on the Bills for the Super Bowl, they keep getting bets on them. People just love the Bills right now, Matt. I get it. It's hard not to. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best players in the NFL with him. They've got Stefan Diggs, and they added Von Miller and some other pieces to a defense that was already the number one defense in the NFL last year. So I understand the hype. That being said, a home underdog like, come on, a home underdog that's raising a Super Bowl banner? Like, to me, that's Dan Fates. Is, he, is that Dan walking in? Dan, you're a betting guy. Wait, are you, are you surprised? Are you surprised? Yes. Yeah, he's surprised. I'm surprised. That, that line's moved a lot. Bills yep. fans bet heavily. So that the lines have to adjust to what the Bills would do. Oh, there you go. Lines have to adjust. And he's right. I mean, that's, that's what Vegas does. Vegas has to get the money. Agrees, yeah, Mike, Mike he, he agrees. He's just like, yeah, you guys do your thing. I'm, you know, I'm just going to get in here and get ready. So what's your prediction for the game on Thursday? So I'm not, I, I think the Bills win the game. Um, I, I don't think the Rams are going to score a ton of points on this Bills defense. I've been saying all camp long, Matt, all preseason, this is honestly the best I've seen the Bills defense look in a long time at camp. I think their defenses look tremendous. Yes, I understand Tredavious White being out is a bit of an issue because you have rookies now that you have to rely on against Cooper Cup and against Allen Robinson, especially in the red zone. He's going to be a beast. But I, I think I don't know if the Rams get over twenty points. I'll, I'll give them, really? yeah, I, I'll give them twenty, and I think the Bills can get to twenty four, twenty seven. I'll say twenty seven, twenty Bills. I think they can do that. Wow. Okay. I think the Rams are going to get more than that. I think I will pick the Bills to win twenty seven to twenty six in a sneak out, sneak wow. skin of their teeth game, and I think it's like 
the full circle moment because they couldn't win any one score games last year. And then I think they start the season with winning a tight one score game. And I don't know if it's like a bass kick at the end or whatever it is, but I think the bills have the more balanced team. I don't think that the Rams are like, I think the Rams can absolutely win this game, but I think that I like the bills offense and defense combined more than I like the Rams offense and defense combined. We talked real quick about, we talked about Aaron Donald, Von Miller returning in a, Bills uniform instead of a Rams uniform, of course. I mean, it's going to be a big deal for him, too. And Matt, I think one of the keys we talk about, I think he's got to make a play. And this is why you got him. He's got to make a play in the situation. And I think he can, but I think the Bills defense has to make a game changing play at some point. And I would look at Von Miller to be the guy that maybe do that. See, I think it's Ed Oliver. I think Ed Oliver is going to be the one that everybody's going to have their eyes on Von and they're going to be concerned. And when we answered the question earlier when we were talking, somebody said, who's going to be the player that like surprises you, stands out? Tim Settle is more under the radar. Ed Oliver, I think, is poised to have a monstrous season. And I don't think it's fair to compare him to Aaron Donald like people often try and do. But I think if the Bills need a big play on defense, I think Vaughn gets the attention, draws the attention away, and then Ed Oliver pounces. So I think that if they come down to needing a big stop or a big play, I think it'll be Ed Oliver who steps up for the Bills defense. Boy, between Tim Settle and Oliver Von Miller, how good can this Bills D-line be? We'll get into that as we go on in the season. We'll see on Thursday night. All right. Everybody knows where they can find me on the Bills Radio Network. We're going to have all the coverage for you on WGR Sports Radio 550 and along the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. How about you, Matt? When are you getting out there? What do you got going on coverage-wise where people can follow you and follow along? Yeah, so we are going out there on Tuesday. We are doing a story with Chad Hall. I know we talked about that. He's actually the brother-in-law of Matthew Stafford. That's Bills wide receiver coach Chad Hall. His sister is married to Matthew Stafford, and he is just absolutely beloved in the Bills locker room. So we're looking forward to putting that story together. We're, of course, going to be talking about Von Miller going back to Los Angeles because it is such a big story. But yeah, we get out there Tuesday. We're going to have live coverage on Wednesday and then all day Thursday because it's just, it's here. It's finally here. It's the regular season. We can take all of that other stuff and put it behind us. We made it. No doubt about it. And of course, it is the regular season. We'll be here all season long. We want you to subscribe to us. We want you to throw us a nice five-star rating and review. We appreciate that. It's always game day in Buffalo. All of your Odyssey platforms, however you listen to your podcasts, we are right there for you. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. For Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. Enjoy Bills Rams Thursday night. I know we're going to enjoy it. We'll talk to you after that.